right, cool. There we go. All right, we're just gonna introduce the project super quick and then jump right in. Um, so my name is Jillian Lasher. And my name is Cedar Bennett. We are interviewing Nat Stein for the Colorado Springs LGBTQ plus oral histories project. All right, so before we get started, like officially, um, there are a few things that we just wanna let you know about how this will go and like, just to make it more comfortable. Um, so first of all, to make sure that all the technology works out, um, Cedar will be taking notes, making sure Zoom is all going well, and then I will be the primary interviewer. Um, and just so that it's not awkward and there's not just one, you're wondering why someone's just sitting there. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then also just for like increasing your comfort level within the conversation, um, we wanted to share with you that we both also identify as part of the LGBTQ community. So just so it doesn't feel like you're like being drilled or questioned or anything. And there's like this baseline level of understanding here, if you know what I mean. Sure thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just if there um, are any things that go weird with Zoom, um, we'll make sure to address that. And also, um, I'll probably be looking off to the side for some of it, just because that's where my questions are, but know that I'm still paying attention to everything you're saying, um, and I'll try to make as much eye contact as possible over Zoom. Cool. Eye contact is the worst over Zoom. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then also just lastly, if there are any questions that we ask that you don't want to answer or don't feel comfortable with, feel free to just let us know and we'll move on. Um, no biggie there. Sounds yeah, um, so I think that's all the preliminary things. Um, so I guess we'll just get started. So um, kind of as a quick intro, um, could you please just say what your name is, what pronouns you use, and how in a couple of words you would describe your gender or sexual identity? Sure. Um, yeah, so my name is Nat Stein. Um, I would use she or they pronouns is fine. Um, how would I describe my gender? Um, for a long time, I described my gender as tomboy. <laughs> um, I think in the current lexicon, something like gender nonconforming or non-binary probably applies. Um, and then in terms of sexuality, um, uh, I don't know, gay, I'm a lesbian. Um, and yeah, it's one of those complicated things where it's like, yeah, I've like um, dated, you know, and been with um, men before, but not now. So I feel like in my current kind of relationship status, um, I do identify as lesbian. So. All right. Um, and just as we continue with the questions, um, I just wanted to ask, are you, would you prefer that I ask you questions and refer to um, you as being gay or lesbian, or are you comfortable with the term queer? Which one would you prefer that oh, I- Oh, sure. Yeah, queer is fine. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Just want to make sure that saying everything that is best best describes you. Um, so um, when and where were you born? And is this the same place you grew up? Or have you kind of moved around throughout your life? Yeah, I was born in Santa Monica, California. Um, my uh, family moved to Rye, New York when I was like three, I want to say. Um, so I grew up in Rye, New York, which is a suburb of New York City. All right. Um, 
What would you say it was like growing up in New York City? Um, so it was a suburb of New York City, about yeah. 40 minutes north yeah. of New York. Um, so what was it like growing up there? Um, <laughs> um, mostly really great. It's a really, um, you know, it's a small town. Um, I have a very just like loving and awesome family. Um, growing up, I like played a lot of sports, um, you know, played with other kids in my neighborhood. Um, we lived near a park and a beach, so we were outdoors a lot. Um, and yeah, so I, I guess like I said, like in, when I was a kid, I was definitely sort of a tomboy. Um, wearing like baggy clothes and being kind of like rough and tumble and stuff. And so I feel like with, you know, being into sports, I played soccer and hockey and lacrosse. Um, that was all like really just well supported in my town. It's one of those towns that like really gives a shit about sports. Um, so it was, um, yeah, it was good. Um, I think in high school, and onwards just like more complicated um relationship to that town um as i sort of understood the culture of it in a wider context um i think especially around like the financial crisis of 2008 really like helped me put into perspective kind of um i don't know just like the role of um extreme wealth in society and how that was playing out in my hometown. It's a very like white and waspy place. Um, my family's Jewish. Um, I don't know, just several things that increasingly over the years, um, I've become a little bit more like distant and critical, but my upbringing was certainly um, nothing to complain about. Yeah. Um, would you say that, you mentioned that you're, you have a really amazing and supportive family. Um, would you, did you feel um, that same kind of level of support kind of in your town and with your friend group, um, even as you were discovering more things about kind of, I guess, your position in the town and wealth and income inequality? Mm -hmm. um, so let's see, um, I was not like aware that I was queer until college. I didn't know any queer people. Um, the only awareness I had was like, there were a few sort of like, just, um, I don't know, so flamboyant that you can't be closeted kind of kids at the high school. And um, they definitely like had a hard time. And a lot of my friends were kind of like around the like arts and theater world um so I, I don't know like the simplest way i would put it is like my sort of friend group in high school was you know it's like freaks and nerds and stoners um so i felt like that really worked for me um like in that context i was like the jockey one um and so yeah i think i don't know i yeah i always felt like basically supported i mean i was like did well in school and played in band and did sports. So I was kind of just like doing the stuff that um, gets um, affirmed 
in that context. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you said that you didn't come out until college. Um, what was that? I guess, like, if you could walk us through kind of how that transition from school to CC from your hometown and how you kind of became more aware and in tune with your um, identity. Yeah. Um, I think basically I, it was just like the first time I like was in community with other queer people um, and like meeting other lesbians. I was like, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I think it's also a time period where like I was, I don't know, this might sound familiar, but like, you know, just like sort of more focused on like sort of sex and relationships and partying and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just like kind of, um, yeah, like the opportunity to like explore that stuff, I suppose. Um, I think when I like um, started to identify, when I was like, wait a second, I'm gay. Um, people in my life were like, yeah, duh, <laughs> you know, um, it was kind of one of those. Um, and yeah, I like at some point told my parents and like my siblings, um, but didn't do any like, you know, kind of like big public thing. I think like at some point, you know, word travels in my family and like everyone was fine with it. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, my family is kind of like, um, like progressive people. Um, so if anything, they were like, yes, we have a chance to be tolerant, you know? <laughs> That's really great that you were able to find that support um, and do have that support. Um, so would you say that the most impu who would you describe? It seems like your your family, um, you've talked about a lot. Um, would you say that they're kind of the most important people in your life and continue to be the people to um, support you? Or have you found, I guess, as you, um, did you find a lot of support at CC through, I, through um, different activities you're involved in? I guess, like, what kind of spaces have you found that um, you felt the best and most comfortable in? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, when I was at CC, I am um, like, I was like very social kind of. So, um, God, I wish I could say I was like doing cool stuff with clubs and like doing real stuff, but I was like, definitely partying and like, um, yeah, my friends were mostly like cis and straight. Um, so a lot of times like that, like the scenes I was in were more straight, um, but had more, f and then had other friends like in the queer community and in other like sort of more subculture type spaces. And I think in those spaces, yeah, I definitely like felt um, I don't know, just kind of like free to be freaky, sort of. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, like I just was so young that like, um, I don't know, it's hard to say like, that's like, it's not like my authentic self, you know, I, I definitely was still um, 
just like kind of figuring out who I am, like what kind of person I want to be, what kind of friend I want to be, what kind of student I want to be, you know. Um, so definitely like kind of an immature um, phase, hate to break it to you. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. I, in terms of like queer spaces, I think, um, yeah, like during and then right after college up until now, um, I've had, I have close friends who are queer. Um, and after I graduated from CC and moved back to the Springs, um, was in more of like what you would call a queer community. And, um, I think, I think now I forget what the question was. I think you answered it. Um, I just asked kind of what types of spaces, um, at CC and throughout your life you found um, the most comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so how would you describe, I guess CC um, is often described as kind of being this bubble in the greater Colorado Springs area. Um, would you say that that's something that you um, have picked up on and kind of what was it like transitioning from CC to Colorado Springs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's basically true. I think in my time at CC, I was like in that bubble. Um, and I didn't necessarily like plan to stay here. Um, but I got a job at the newspaper here, the Colorado Springs Independent. Um, and I thought I wanted to be a journalist. So, um, it made, I don't know, it just made sense. I was dating somebody who was like a senior in college at the time. So it just kind of made sense for me to um, move back here. And I guess like in the grad phase of my existence here, um, it's definitely become, yeah, the whole relationship of like the campus to the community has definitely like become more clear to me. Um, and... I still feel like connected to the college in terms of like, mm, I used to like attend like lectures and cool talks and stuff like that for a while. Um, and then, um, yeah, at the newspaper in in my role as a reporter, CC students would be, you know, there's always like a contingent at um, protests. Um, and but i also like kind of came to understand the general like attitude toward or about color college students which like none of it comes as a surprise but it's like entitled oblivious kind of like rich kids um and mm, yeah and then now um i work for Colorado springs food rescue um which is a nonprofit organization that was founded by CC students, um, but has since kind of grown into a um, more of just a community nonprofit. Um, the founding executive director who's a CC grad is like on his way out this month. And at that point I will be the, like the last remaining CC person um, 
in the organization. And so anyway, in that role, um, we interface with CC students in the, um, I run the composting program called Soil Cycle. Um, so we pick up food scraps from um, off-campus senior um, houses. Um, and then students also work with us on composting at the CC farm. And so um, I've worked with like interns and fellows um, in that capacity. And that's been um, really cool to stay connected like that. Yeah, um, that's that's really cool that you've been able to still find ways to be connected to campus, even though you've um, transitioned into other jobs and um, other types of, of work from journalism, which sounds like that was your original expectation from graduating. Um, so you, you mentioned before that you feel like now um, you are connected more to um, quote unquote like queer spaces or more queer defined spaces than you were um, at as a student at CC. Um, and I would, was just wondering if you could tell us kind of what those types of spaces are um, and kind of what type of community, queer community specifically you found in Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think about like the first couple, maybe like the first three years or something out of college living here. Um, there were a few spaces that were kind of like, um, I don't know, just like gathering places. Um, one was a um, small press um, bookshop called Mountainfold Books. They sold like coffee and zines and stuff. Um, and that was really rad. And there was definitely like a big um, kind of scene around that. Um, a, a place that all, all of these places are closed <laughs> now. Um, the other one is a spot called the Flux Capacitor, which was like a DIY venue. Um, just like in this random like concrete warehouse. <laughs> Um, and so there were a lot of like, um, like punk shows and DIY shows and just music stuff around there. Um, at the time I was more involved in like um, art and music. Um, when those spaces closed down, I was involved in like a collective that was throwing like pop-up events, pop-up concerts at just like different spots that we could weasel our way into around town. Um, so that, I mean, and those scenes were like, um, there's like a contingent of CC grads who would travel in those spaces, but like by and large, um, just like a Colorado Springs scene, a lot of young people, but also like older people. Um, and at us, it's like, um, after a certain while you kind of like get to know <laughs> everyone. Um, and... Yeah, those spaces have closed. I feel like another notable queer space in Colorado Springs is Ladyfingers Letterpress. Um, something about queers and letterpresses, I don't know. But um, they sell like stationery and cards and gifts and stuff and um, like have always kind of held, like held space for um, like a younger generation of queer people. So that's really cool. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know. At this point, like just, Oh, and then the other one was I um, like lived at a, um, like a house that identified as queer kind of like I, they described it's called quail club. Um, that's like in the hillside neighborhood. It's like a sort of homesteading, like, I don't know, just kind of wacky place. Um, and that's another, yeah, like kind of identified queer space that still exists. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say over the last like couple years, I've like, I just like focus, I'm more focused on work than sort of um, like social stuff. Um, and have like definitely fallen a bit out of the like art and music stuff. Um, so yeah, there's definitely still like queer stuff going on here, but it's like, it definitely feels a little like diminished just in terms of like every fucking place closes. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so kind of going off of that, would you say that you've noticed um, a change in the queer community and like the time that you've lived in Colorado Springs? I mean, I know you said you're not as involved with the social scene right now, but um, kind of through the years, have you seen a, a big change or any change? Yeah. Um, my sense is like that there are just like waves. Um, and my first couple of years here did feel like one of those waves of like a coalescing um, of different communities um, and sort of this sense of like, okay, like we've got kind of this critical mass and like we've got stuff going on and like these are spaces in Colorado Springs that feel good and safe to be queer. And so that was like, I think of that as like kind of a, um, yeah, like a high point. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, as places close and whatnot, like there's just, and just like through time, you see like relationships that, um, mm, you see like just fights and issues and just, you know, the sort of just bullshit of being human. And then, you know, so that creates distance um, in the scene for sure. Um, and yeah, and then I, my sense too is like that the, um, as the sort of like um, music and DIY scene started to do this, like the open mic scene kind of was coming up. So more like spoken word poetry um, and stuff like that. It definitely seems like a nexus for queer, queer culture in the Springs now. And I just, to me, that's never really done it for me. So I, I don't know, I just like, um, yeah, I don't feel as kind of connected to that anymore. Um, and then people move. Like, I mean, it's not an awesome place to be queer, so people do move. Um, and that's partial, I mean, it's partially cultural, but it's also partially just like work opportunities. Um, like just having plenty of friends who like spent a few years like trying to find um, the right job. It's not happening and so they move to other cities. Mm -hmm. So would you say your decision to stay in the Springs um, was because of that journalism job initially and then you're, you were able to get this job at the food rescue? 
Yeah. Yeah. I think my work is definitely like what keeps me here. But then also at this point, I, um, me and my girlfriend own a house together, the one that I'm speaking to you from. Um, so that definitely is um, a factor that keeps me here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so to dive a little bit into your experience at your job, um, what kinds of people, I guess, do you um, most encounter in your job and like what types of communities um, do you tend to interact with the most? Yeah, um, in my current work, I'd say you could group it out into like nonprofit professionals, the sort of like gardening, local food, sustainable food community, whatever you want to call that, local food community. Um, and then our member base as, and I'm talking about Soil Cycle, which is a part of Colorado Springs Food Rescue, the part that I'm working with. Our members are um, downtown residents and businesses. Um, compared to the population as a whole, it definitely skews liberal, it skews, it skews female. Um, it, uh, yeah, like, uh, I don't know, mostly like downtown families. It runs the gamut, like from college students to older people, families, etc. Those are the main communities that I'm interacting with. Okay. Um, that's really cool that you're able to kind of get a scope of, of multi-generational, um, I guess, communities and, and people. Um, so what would you say that your work in soil cycle and um, in composting and in the food rescue in general, kind of what does that work mean to you and how did you um, decide that that was a career path you were interested in? Mm -hmm. um, I got into it because I was like looking to do work that was like more direct in terms of making change. Um, I felt like with writing, sort of like only so much that's possible and just feeling like a little, I don't know, just like a whole bunch of bad news out there. And um, so, yeah, I was trying to like get into something more positive, um, have been interested in like co just cooperation, like community cooperation and um, self-reliance and managing our natural resources in a way that won't extinguish life on earth. Um, so those interests kind of brought me to like the community composting um, little subsector. Um, and yeah, it just felt like I don't know. And then I also just like have a high tolerance for stuff that's like gross. So I was like, okay, this is a good little niche for me. Um, and it was, you know, it's a type of like service and infrastructure that was just lacking in this community. Um, and had that like healthy mix of arrogance and naivete that leads somebody to like start something new. Mm -hmm. um, 
And as far as like what it means to me now, um, yeah, um, I don't know. I just like want, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I enjoy like the physical aspect of the work. I love seeing like the transformation um, from waste to like dark, rich soil. Um, I love just like learning and putting stuff into action. I love kind of like DIY stuff and building and like forming partnerships um, and just kind of like the making it happen. I just is like pleasing, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, that's really great that you found a, a space where you do feel like you are making that, that sort of tangible difference that you're so invested in. Um, so you mentioned before that the types of communities that you do encounter, um, primarily liberal and female, um, either in those people who come to the food rescue or people that you work with, like coworkers or bosses, um, do you tend to encounter a lot of people who are part of the queer community as well? Or is that, has that ever been something you've thought about or noticed? Yeah. Um, okay, so in, my organization amongst my coworkers, um, it's a pretty queer group. Um, like I'm probably the most like visibly queer. Um, yeah, um, but there's like definitely an undercurrent um, there. So that's really cool. Um, and in sort of like the nonprofit, like business, civic, just sort of like professional scene is where I don't, is where I feel like less comfortable. I mean, I'm always, I've always been someone who like, um, I just like am myself and have a hard time like giving a shit about other people. But at the same time, like it is just like such a sort of like stiff white bread sort of um, culture that you just deal with like people not knowing how to deal with pronouns, people not like seeing me and being like, what's the deal with you? Um, or just like the sticking out factor, you know? Um, and then amongst like the members of Soil Cycle, um, it's never come up as an issue per se. I do notice that we have like, um, you know, plenty of queer members, um, which is cool. Um, and I don't know, but like the aspect of it where I have to be like a public face for it. Um, I don't know. I just, I know it's something like that people notice just cause it's outside of the norm. So like, I don't know. I don't love that stuff, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so kind of with that, with that sticking out factor, as you called it, um, have there been any instances either in your work or um, just kind of living in Colorado Springs where you've maybe faced a microaggression or felt like someone was um, discriminating against you because of your, um, like the way that you present yourself or your sexual orientation or anything um, related to your identity? Yeah. Um... Yeah, it kind of like runs the gamut. Um, 
Yeah, it's like, it, um, it's like, yeah, small things about, you know, how people, um, it's like, I can tell when people are like trying to figure me out and that's fine. Um, but every once in a while you have someone who's like, you know, asks a question that's inappropriate um, or, um, and then just a lot of stares. Um, which have different kinds of feelings associated with them, um, just depending on like the context and um, that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, I'd say that's, um, those are the most typical kind of ways it plays out. Mm. Yeah, um, I thought it was really interesting that you mentioned how you kind of can either know when, or you can tell when someone's quote unquote trying to figure you out or um, doesn't, I don't know, maybe is, 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 I don't know. Yeah. Trying to figure out you out more. Um, and do you feel like there have been any instances where that, does that particularly make you feel comfortable or uncomfortable? Or is that kind of going back to what, what you said before of just, well, I don't really necessarily put a lot of attention on what other people think of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for the most part, I don't care or I try to just like ignore it. Um, and I think sometimes it's like harmless. I think sometimes people are just like straight up just curious or like have just like don't have experience or like a frame of reference. Um, and I think that's fine. And I definitely like do find myself like doing little like non-binary 101 with people when it makes sense. <laughs> um, and yeah, but so, like you can just tell the difference between like curious and vicious, you know, like um, like a couple of old people at the taco shop who are holding their um, cross and um, <laughs> praying for me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I get, yeah, that, that definitely, I think, points to kind of what we were talking about before of just there's a lot of different types of people that live in Colorado Springs and people with a lot of different opinions. Um, and I guess, would you say that there is a particularly difficult part about living in Colorado Springs that is tied to your identity um, or anything that's... Um, makes Colorado Springs kind of, I guess, a more, a more challenging place to live in. Yeah. Um, the fr I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just like the Christian um, hegemony. Mm. Um, just, yeah, I don't know. I've just had like a lot of experiences of like, um, I don't know, like people telling me I'm going to hell, but come visit my church and you'll be saved and that kind of shit. Or like, people who will like knock on my door and then like want to get into it. Um, so just like bullshit like that. And then, and it's sort of, um, it's like, yeah, those are the most sort of like obnoxious ones of them. But at the same time, like even amongst sort of like the pre progressive Christian scene, it's just such a like um, normative thing that like people are um, involved in that community so it's like it's sort of like assumed um that that's 
where you're coming from. Um, and it's not, I just like, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, stop pushing this shit on me. Not interested. Fuck mm-hmm. off. You can't imagine any other community doing it. You know, it's, I don't know. They just feel a sense of entitlement. Um, that's really corrosive. And I guess related to that too, is just like the anti-Semitism um, that you see cropping up. Um, like I think in my time living here, um, every synagogue in town has been like vandalized with um, swastikas and stuff. And um, yeah, so there's just like ongoing kind of like, um, it's mostly in the form of vandalism. There was like a hate crime that was like anti-Semitic like about a year ago. And so that ties into like the political climate, um, which has obviously sort of gotten more extreme over the last couple of years. And so in that regard, it's like, I know being queer and being Jewish, like, um, like puts me sort of in a category that um, the sort of, uh, I don't know, the, the Trump, um, politics is pretty actively like fighting against. I understand like I'm not sort of um, the most at risk. And so I definitely like find it really important to be like in solidarity with, um, yeah, with the black community um, and other immigrant communities that um, have it a lot harder here than me. So yeah, the prevailing culture is pretty, um, either fascist or tolerance of fascism. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you, you mentioned that you're, you do stand in solidarity, solidarity um, with, for example, Black Lives Matter. Um, would you consider yourself to be a, I guess, politically active or socially active person? Um, and are there any places or times when you've been politically active um, I guess, focused on the queer community or um, I guess just unpacking your involvement in that if if you have any. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely always been like a politically and socially um, conscious kind of person. Um, so when I was in college and like right out of college, I was um, very much like into politics and covering politics as a reporter. Um, So state government, local government, um, but then also um, social movements, different legislative efforts, um, you know, various advocacy type stuff. Um, And then, so it's like in my role as a journalist, those were things I covered um, and wanted to like give platforms to, and also did a bunch of reporting on like conservative politics and right-wing politics. Um, And so then transitioning out of that, I was kind of like, ooh, now I can do whatever I want. (laughs) Um, But I also, I don't know, so it's funny because like I had just like a lot of pre-existing relationships in the activist community, but wasn't really sure like where I wanted to be sort of. Um, the left here is like sort of a, I don't know, it's like a sort of a, 
socially fraught sort of environment. Like there's a lot of just like um, sort of infighting and drama and whatever. Um, but yeah, so I'm active in the sense of like, I show up to protests, make the calls. Um, I like have enough history here that I kind of like know who the leaders are that I really want to follow. Um, and yeah, I've been like involved kind of in local government just when I need to be, you know? Um, but so I don't know, I'm sort of like a, um, more of like a passive activist. I'm probably like more active than your average person, but. Yeah. Um, so going back a little bit to our conversation around, um, I guess the connection between um, like you or um, the queer community and the very evangelical kind of right-wing Christian community. Um, I guess, how would you describe your experience um, being both queer and being part of the Jewish community. And if that um, has related, I guess, yeah, we'll start with, we'll start with that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess one thing I would say is like, the, I wouldn't say the evangelical community is right wing necessarily. Like it, it does kind of run the gamut in terms of politics. You do have more like progressive churches, especially downtown. Um, and um and like i've so i've been to some of those churches for like funerals different services or just like different i can't even remember just have been to like the uu downtown and then first congregational is the other one um those spaces have always felt like fine they're the types of churches that like fly rainbow flags and black lives matter and stuff that's fine um but anyway, your question was like um, about like being queer and being Jewish. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think the Jewish part of my identity is like, I'm definitely a very secular Jew, not bat mitzvah, no birthright. My, my immediate family, like my nuclear family, um, so both my parents are Jew like we're sort of like ethnically Jewish um, throughout the family, but my family definitely was like kind of atheist basically. Um, and I feel like it's become like more relevant to me as I get older. Um, have, yeah, just been a part of communities here that do Shabbat regularly. And they just tend to be like people and spaces that um, that I do connect with. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and then I don't know, something about just like how our like identity politics is evolving in this country. Um, a couple of things, like one is just being honest that like, it doesn't matter whether I identify as Jewish or not. My name is Stein, I've got this nose. When push comes to shove, you know, <laughs> um, people who hate Jews are gonna see me as a Jew. Um, 
And then secondly is like understanding just like the historical basis for um, social solidarity um, and like my ancestors being proud of being involved in like the civil rights movements of their time. Um, and, and lastly, I feel like um, Jews are used as like, or like a wedge to justify um, violence towards Palestinians. Um, and I, that's like an issue that I feel like I just have more like learning of history that I need to do um, in order to like really kind of speak on it. But it does come up like in my communities as far as like, you know, when people speak on behalf of us, like what do we, how do we organize in order to, you know, say that actually know we're American Jews and this is, um, this is what we think. I don't know, it's sort of evolving, I guess. But I don't know that it really has a whole lot to do with queerness. There is a, um, a new rabbi at the synagogue that's in like the Bot neighborhood, just north of campus, who's, a queer woman um and so that's cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah having that sort of representation in those types of spaces mm -hmm. um let's see here so in terms of the lgbt community um in colorado springs would you say that there i guess have you found um a lot of that there's a lot of unity within that community or is there um like you talked about there's um like different i guess like multi-generational um or people of different generations um within the the queer spaces that you found in colorado springs um would you say that there tends to be kind of a a, a common political identity or political sense within those communities or is there um something that tends to make people disagree or feel marginalized, I guess. It's mm -hmm. sort of a broad question, but. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, I guess politically, like, I don't know any queers who are right wing. Um, I, you know, of the like older generation, um, there's a solid, you know, representation of like older lesbians, which is really cool. Um, and it's, you know, it's great that there are, um, a few, um, queer women, like in, um, prominent positions in the city, um, heads of nonprofits, um, ministers, um, realtors, um, you know, yeah, there's just people like working in different industries in different spaces that are um, like succeeding professionally. And I feel like that is helpful. <laughs> um, I think there is a little bit of like a, I mean, this is also like a distinction in like the, um, the types of feminism that we all have. <laughs> um, like, I think, I don't know. I've just like heard older lesbians just be like, wait, what the fuck? are y'all doing <laughs> um 
with regards to just like more sort of gender fluidity, I think in the younger generation. Um, there's like <laughs> a cool scene of like queer burlesque at um, the Zodiac, which is a queer dive bar um, that is closing. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they do like goth night and stuff like that. So they have a lot of like, kind of wacky subculture stuff going on. Um, there, I don't, I'm like the least plugged in with like um, gay men, mm -hmm. um, but there's definitely like a whole scene of um, men who like to party <laughs> and are rich <laughs> um, from what I hear, just like, I don't know, big gay parties. Um, and then the younger generation is like, um, I think there's, you see more younger people in those like open mic spaces. Um, I guess the place where like everyone kind of comes out together is uh, at the gay pride parade. Mm -hmm. um, and you see a lot more like corporate stuff there now than there ever used to be. I mean, it's uh, the basic gist is like now it's sort of like socially advantageous to be aligned, you know, with LGBTQ stuff, whereas it definitely did not used to be the case. Um, there's a sweet like roller, women's roller derby team that's, that's there. I don't know, so is it unified? Not really, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's one of those things where it's like when you're in the minority, you wanna like stick together mm -hmm. and like figure out ways that we have things in common, but like any diverse group of humans, like <laughs> there's just a limit to what we really have in common. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just one more question and then we'll probably take a break about five minutes in the middle and then um, we'll pick up after that. Um, so I guess are there, um, just, it's interesting that you mentioned, because um, I, Cedar and I both went to gay um, pride a couple of years ago, and we did notice that kind of corporate presence. Um, as someone who has been a part of this community um, for, I mean, longer than we have, because you're older than us, um, have you seen, like, I guess, what are your thoughts on that kind of now corporate recognition and um, so, like, social alignment with um, this community? Yeah, um, well, um, I don't know. My first, like, my first instinct is, like, fuck off. <laughs> um, um, because it's just, like, so clearly sort of opportunistic and, and shallow at the end of the day. It's more self-serving than anything. Um, and it obscures just like the history and the spirit of queer liberation movements. No, no, you know, I'm not saying anything you don't know. Um, yeah. But we would be kidding ourselves if we didn't acknowledge that it affords us all safety and rights that we didn't have before. Not to say like the corporate co-optation is what provides that, but like it's a marker of a type of acceptance now that, um, I mean, yes, there's definitely still 
violence. There's still, you know, discrimination and denial of other human rights um, and various kinds of marginalization. But like, I don't know. We'd be kidding ourselves if we weren't, you know, acknowledging that um, the pendulum, I think, is swinging in our direction generally. Um, And that, you know, Comcast and Pepsi and whatever at the gay pride is like, that's what tells you it's like, okay, this is fully mainstream. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Okay, um, so with that, we'll take just a five minute break, maybe come back at 3.05 to wrap up and talk about a few more things. Um, But yeah, in the meantime, if you want to grab a drink of water, turn off your camera, we'll be back in like five minutes. That's good. Yeah.
Hello again. Welcome back. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so I guess to dive back in, um, we wanted to uh, talk more about just kind of like um, your own sense of identity um, and kind of like um, coming into that more. And, and, I, and I know we talked about um, you figuring that out in college. Sorry, my dog is whining. Oh, no, you're totally good. But yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, just to talk more about um, your identity and um, to jump into that, um, what would you say are the parts of your identity that are um, the most Im important to you? And um, I mean, we have talked about, you know, being, you being Jewish, you being queer. Um, would you say that those are two like of the most primary parts of your identity or are there other? Um, no, I mean, I guess those are the two aspects that are sort of like non-normative, you know, so they're the ones that get like mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, but I think other relevant parts of my identity are like, well, being white, <laughs> um, coming from wealth and just like being in communities that have access to wealth. Um, and yeah, I guess like politically left wing. Um, I'm a twin. I don't know. Like my, I feel like my family relationships are like really important. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, sorry, were you going to say something else? No, I don't know that any of those are like most important necessarily. Um, yeah. Um, so we're curious, um, kind of, since we are in a, a femgen class and trying to figure out, you know, queer um, oral histories in relation to a bunch of other different um, aspects of one's identity and kind of intersectionality, um, how would you say that um, being a white person coming from wealth, being queer, um, I guess, has there been a significant relationship that you've seen between all three of those? Or is it just, um, I don't know, I guess because there, we talked a little bit about before of like, there's different types of like feminism and different movements. And um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your insights into that. Yeah, in terms of like, hold on, sorry, could you just restate that? Question? Yeah, no, um, just like your insights into kind of the intersection between being uh, like at the same time being queer, being white, and as you mentioned, coming from wealth and kind mm -hmm. of what that nexus looks like. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely white and wealth privilege. Like, I feel like um, are, you know, are things that make it safer to be queer, right? Um, it's all about like managing risk. Um, and yeah, I'd say those two factors um, 
have, you know, have helped me take various types of risk in my life, personal, professional. Um, I think definitely queerness, probably, yeah, more so than like being Jewish, being queer definitely is like an experience that helps form like my, like the basis of solidarity with other um, struggles um, in mostly in the context of just white supremacy, right? It's like, it's not to say like being queer is like being black, that's not it, but it's like, oh, okay. Like I could see how the, you know, I understand how these systems like work. Um, and so like understanding my place within all of those intersecting systems. I feel like if anything, like puts more of a responsibility on especially white queer people um, to just step it up. I don't know. I do get sometimes a little like impatient with white queer people who are just like most obsessed with like the queer aspect <laughs> um, as a way of like minimizing privileges that they do hold. Um, which is, I'm sure, something I'm like guilty of and have been guilty of as well. Um, and as far as the wealth thing goes, um, yeah, like I said, there's like, um, part of it is like, if you have a like safety net um, then you can quit a toxic job. You can leave a toxic living situation, um, et cetera. Um, and, and so I guess also just like being connected to the like different LGBTQ um, organizations in town or like the organization that works with homeless youth. It's like, I know that most of those kids are LGBTQ. Um, so I guess where I'm going with that is just like, um, yeah, understanding it's like, I don't need to like repress that aspect of my identity in order to like secure housing or income. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting that you mentioned that, you know, a lot of these um, homeless youth do identify as, as part of the queer community. Um, do you, in your experience, do you feel like that is something because of this, um, these more like, um, I guess, right-wing um, politics that are present in Colorado Springs that tend to marginalize um, people who are part of the queer community? Um, I guess like, have you seen that those types of like the the general Colorado Springs community being an active participant in the marginalization of um, the queer community and specifically these types of people you work with. Um, yeah, no doubt. I mean, mm. like the reason a place like Inside Out Youth Services exists um, is because kids get like um, uh, like estranged from their families. Um, and 
So yeah, knowing people from like religious backgrounds where it's an issue or even different, just like ethnic backgrounds um, that make it a lot more challenging. Um, so yeah, is the hegemony here a factor in like kids being homeless, kids but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so. And it's also like, I don't know, it's family life, it's school life, it's like academic and professional prospects um, where these things like are working against um, LGBTQ kids. and. And also it's like, we gotta be real that it's much more, I, th I think it's, well, every situation is different, but like definitely the transer you are, <laughs> the harder it is. Yeah. For, um, for people, I think. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and kind of going off of that, have there been any um, times in your life where you were maybe trying to get a job or to be a part of some certain group or um, I guess become like, you know, um, more connected with certain types of people that you did feel like um, your queer identity was, I guess, a factor in maybe not being able to participate in those types of spaces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, like, uh... Like whenever I was report like reporting on any like conservative political situations, like I definitely like have a you know very specific like clothes that I wear in those contexts. <laughs> um, but that yeah, that's kind of in the past now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not very good at like passing, <laughs> so. Um, if I really try, then I can, but sometimes I just like, don't even think about it until it's too late. <laughs> um, yeah. So honestly, for the most part, no, even though probably I should. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, I guess that is, that's good that you've been able to, as you've said before, just kind of you know, there are times when you have felt maybe marginalized, but for the most part, and correct me if, if I'm wrong, but it, it seems that mostly you're just kind of like, this is who I am, this is how I'm gonna express myself. Um, would you say that that's kind of just your general attitude of being, um, like, I guess, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned about like, there's certain contexts where you may dress differently. Like, is that is that a conscious thing that you consider kind of on the daily for living in Colorado Springs or is it more of just very specific situations? Definitely more specific. Yeah. But, um, not on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Yeah, not in a way where I'm like trying to dress more straight. I can just, I just am past that point, I think. Yeah. Do you think that in your, um, 
I guess like, cause you, you said that you started, you started coming out in college. Um, do you feel like your ability and your comfortability with being queer, just like figuring out that, out that part of yourself um, kind of has been, um, I guess, a journey or did it, did you start off with being, okay, I'm queer, like this is who I am and like I, I'm totally cool with that? No, it's definitely evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I was in college, I definitely was like um, trying to like present more feminine. Um, just like sort of as a vestigial of like sort of like high school culture or something, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And I think early on, I was like, I'm bisexual. Um, and yeah, so only like in the last couple of years would I identify more as like non-binary. Um, and that was kind of just like, a, oh yeah, yeah, that's probably <laughs> how it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's definitely always evolving. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so with kind of more coming into that identity of being non-binary or figuring out that part of yourself, um, was that, did you, um, I guess like kind of what was the, the process of realizing that about yourself? Um, was it just kind of, you know, as you're getting older or experiencing more things, you're like, okay, yeah, that, that most mostly fits with me. Like, was there ever a time where you we're kind of searching for that way to more identify that way or call yourself that, or is it just, you kind of figured it out, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I think it was kind of just like an embracing sort of thing. Like, um, I just used to be like more self-conscious of like the more masculine, like parts of my presentation used to like kind of cause me anxiety. And I think just like, you know, the sort of like teenage adolescent, like I want to fit in thing. Um, So yeah, I think just like, like everyone, like as you get older, you get more kind of like comfortable with yourself. As I get more comfortable with myself, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like pretty much dressing this way, pretty much look like this. And like, yeah, at the end of the day, like when people call me like, ma'am or lady or whatever I'm just like it's not quite right (laughs) um and also just learning (laughs) like the verbiage for it honestly was again like not even really that prominent when I was like in college I mean maybe it was maybe I was just ignorant but yeah I definitely can see how you know I guess with the verbiage of just there's, I feel like there's greater awareness and, um, well, this is my opinion and I'd like to hear yours. Just, do you feel like there's greater awareness of sort of these different types of like, I guess if, for lack of a better way to say it, like quote unquote spectrum of like the LGBT community, is that some, is that a term that you feel is, is a correct way to describe, I guess, sexuality is more fluid or what would you say about that? Um, with sexuality, yeah, I mean, um... I don't know. People fuck different people different ways throughout their whole lives. Like, it's just, you know, there's a whole lot of different combinations out there. Like, yeah, I don't know. The spectrum, yeah, I think is like a good way to conceptualize it. I think we've 
probably arrived at that consensus. Um, and it doesn't work for some people, you know, like I know people who are um, queer or bisexual or whatever, who are like in long-term relationships with men. And that is like just sort of a, uh, I think it can feel like in, invisible for for folks in that kind of spot. Um, it's really, I don't know, it's, there's a part of me that's like a little bit dismissive about that because I'm like, mm, whatever, you're fine. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Um, and then for, in terms of gender, um, yeah, I mean, seems like culturally, like we are becoming like more aware and more accepting of variants. I mean, to the point where it's like hip, right? It's like you have like models and pop stars and whatever that are like gender fluid and that's considered like edgy. Um, and yeah, I think for me, it was just about understanding like that being trans is not like you need to be a man, mm -hmm. um, but that there's like a whole kind of like flexible middle <laughs> part. And you know, honestly, like it's cheesy, but um, social media um, like does help to like put image, like image and words to things that I like wouldn't have otherwise encountered, you know? Yeah, do you, do you feel like um, kind of having more awareness of these um, I guess concepts or, or um, social, I guess, opinions or perspectives on gender and sexuality. Um, has that been a lot of like your own kind of, you've had to, you know, research that. And then from that, you've kind of been like, okay, yeah, like that, that type of term fits me. Um, or do you feel like these are types of things that you've been taught? Mm. By, yeah. Um, I guess like in my experience, um, like I, I read some like gender and sexuality stuff in college, like I want to say like Judith Butler, Bell Hooks, like some of the staples. Um, and I started knowing trans people like right outside of college um, of like butch lesbians who were transitioning. Um, and, and then since then, I think I just like started to like know more people who are just like more gender bendy. And then just like, you know, it's more of like a, I don't know, just like more of a topic of conversation in more recent years. And um, so, yeah, I think just like an exposure thing, like I definitely have learned partially through like personal experiences and relationships and partially through like, um, you know, sort of like, perusing around on the internet, sort of a mix of those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
Yeah. Um, so kind of transitioning a little bit into, and we've, we've touched on this um, some, but just kind of broader experiences in society as um, an LGBTQ or part of the queer community. Um, you mentioned before that there's been people who've shown up to your house and um, I guess, what would you describe? Do you have any kind of everyday safety concerns about being part of the queer community? Is that something that you think about a lot or that you're, you become worried about? Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think about it for sure. Um, I think about it in terms of like my trans femme friends um, being at risk of violence um, and like having threatening experiences and stuff like that. Um, I think about a guy, a trans guy, like a couple years ago, who was like jumped just like in his yard somewhere in Colorado Springs. I definitely think about that. Um, and then, I don't know, it's hard to separate from just like the overall political climate. Um, but yeah, I have never experienced like any overt threats or violence. Like I've been sort of like touched in ways that I don't want, um, which maybe you could put that in that category, I don't know. But um, at the same time, I know that it has happened here um and so i have a dog now <laughs> um, but yeah it just like i mean i know i know like the places that i shouldn't go <laughs> um and um i don't go there <laughs> yeah do you feel like that is because um, of the kind of unique climate of Colorado Springs or um, do you feel like that's kind of just an experience that you have, say if you're traveling or in places that you, um, where you grew up, do you feel like you always kind of have that conscience of, okay, these are the types of people or places that I don't really wanna be around or associate with? Um, yeah, probably. Um, like there's definitely like just a more of like a macho kind of like um, yeah like right wing culture here so it's just like more overt more extreme um, but like at this point like I don't well I don't know it's like I'm not really like fucking with any kind of frat boys anyway <laughs> so um so it's not, it's like fairly natural to go about my life in that way. But no, it's definitely not exclusive to Colorado Springs. Um, there's different, you know, ratios of different types of social groups in all different places, but I kind of like know what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so would you say that you, um, is Colorado Springs, despite, you know, all these things that we've talked about of there kind of being that 
um, culture that some people perpetuate that tends to be more right wing and um, and um, oppressive of different groups of people. Would you say that you would want to stay in Colorado Springs for the long term, or are you thinking? I mean, I know you said you have you bought a house here with your girlfriend. Does Colorado Springs kind of seem like it's the place to stay for you? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, when your professor reached out to me for this project, I was like, oh yeah, I've lived here for like almost a decade. <laughs> what the hell? Um, it was not, yeah, like I said, like it was not part of my plan. <laughs> um, not that I really had a plan, but, um, I've like gone back and forth on that question of like, could I be here for the long haul? I mean, I think the answer has always been like, I'm not trying to raise a family here. I'm not trying to like grow old here. Um, so yeah, I definitely do plan to leave like within the next couple of years. Um, but it will have been over a decade at that point, which sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? But I have like definitely enough of a community and um, just like purpose here, you know? Um, and I, ha I definitely have friends who will be here for the long haul. So um, I'll probably keep coming back and having, you know, some kind of relationship with this place. Mm -hmm. I think it is a place where queer people can thrive. Mm -hmm. um, I really like want that to be true. <laughs> um, and I've seen it to be true in some, like in some circumstances. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the overall trend is that the population is getting younger. It's going to get a little bit more liberal. Um, and all of that is a function of, like, business friendliness. Um, so it's all very sterile. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, like, overall, if we move from sort of, like, proud boys to tech bros, like, that's a step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. Um... Okay, well, we just have a few more questions for you and then we'll um, try to wrap it up here. Um, so just to, to kind of, you know, bring things all together and everything we've been talking about, um, if, you, if there was one thing or a couple things um, that you'd want people to hear from you, either about um, Colorado Springs being queer, any, any sort of thing that we've talked about, um, what do you think is a really significant thing for people to take away from your experiences and from um, queerness in Colorado Springs? For people, or help me understand like the audience better. Like, um... Yeah, so just as this project is an archive for um, kind of just experiences of um, people in the com queer community as part of who are who have lived in Colorado Springs. Um, just like if there's a way um, that you could, I guess, kind of put your experience as a queer person in Colorado Springs in a few words, a few sentences, um, like what would what would you, how would you answer the question of just if someone asked you real quick, like, oh, what is it like being in Colorado Springs as a queer person? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've always felt like um, I missed the worst of it. Like when I hear people talk about, you know, the climate during Amendment 2, or just, you know, people who are older than me who grew up here had a rough time. So I know that um, 
it's been really, um, yeah, like not a um, welcoming space for um, LGBTQ people for a long time. I think um, art and music and culture is a really like powerful force for bringing people together. Um, and like forming some semblance of like a unified kind of community at the same time, like, I don't know, like sort of our unity doesn't really mean anything unless we are like honest about confronting the, um, injustices and like power imbalances that exist within the queer community and just like as humans with other facets of identity. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think things are slowly getting better. Like, you know, we have, we do have some like prominent out, um, LGBTQ leaders, um, we have some infrastructure for caring for youth who are um, estranged. Um, and like, I don't know, everyone's gonna get through it, I hope. <laughs> um, I don't really see Colorado Springs ever being like any kind of real queer haven. Yeah. Um, Um, yikes, it's not very optimistic, <laughs> but it's, I don't know. It's like, a, it's a great place to live for other reasons. You know, mm -hmm. the outdoors is really accessible and like for people who need spaces to like be away from people and like have just like space with you and your body and your thoughts and nature. It's a really good place for that. <laughs> um, Yeah, I don't know. I think queerness here will always be like some kind of, um, like we'll always be freaks here. And I think that's a point of pride um, if we can move past violence. <laughs> yeah, um, well, thank you so much. That was actually, that was a really, really great way to sum things up. Um, and just as we're, as we're ending things here, are there any, um, topics or anything you'd like to add um, that we weren't able to get to that are really important for you, for people to remember to learn about? Um, I think I would need to like understand better like the full scope of the archive, um, just in terms of like who's being interviewed, um, because I think stories around the Amendment 2 um, era are really important. Stories around um, the fall of Ted Haggard <laughs> is a really big deal in terms of like LGBTQ history here. Um, I think there's a lot, you know, it's like the, the gay bars that I know that have closed, I'm sure are just the tip of the iceberg. Um, And 
yeah, the sort of like burlesque scene, I feel like is a a strong piece of the queer community here that should be represented. But then also like, I don't know, like sort of like butch biker ladies. Like, I don't know, there's probably some like strains of um, the LGBTQ history here that are like uncommon, unexpected. Oh, you know what's gonna be a cool story to check out um, if you haven't already is um, Noel Black's podcasts. Um, I think he has, he's a local kind of like writer, artist guy who um, had two mommies growing up in Colorado Springs and they lived in some kind of like lesbian commune in the Old North End. I don't know. So I hope that it, I don't know, I'm just excited to see it because I'm sure there's just like a whole colorful history out there. Mm. Yeah, and you were asking just like kind of broader context of this project. Um, from our understanding, since it is something that our professor is doing and then we're kind of um, each group in class is interviewing a different um, person who who the professors reached out to and um, feels has some very significant stories to tell about um, experience living in Colorado Springs as um, a queer identifying person. So we're excited to see kind of how this project continues to grow and who else was able to be interviewed. Um, so uh, we just want to thank you for your time. Um, it was so nice to talk to you and we really appreciate you taking time out of your day um, to be a part of this. Um, Cedar, I don't know if you want to add anything. Yeah, for sure. I got six pages of notes, so that was like <laughs> awesome. Um, and I think that Jillian and I probably both agree that we're very lucky to get to chat with you. Um, and this was super interesting and a great conversation. Yeah. Um, and just another thing, um, just to put the whole project together, um, if you'd be able to um, send us just like a, a headshot or if um, just a picture of you that you feel comfortable including within this archive um, by the end of the week, um, that would be super great if you could if you could do that. Sweet, yeah, can do. Um, well, thanks for your really you know provoking questions. And, I'm glad you felt that way. <laughs> Thank you for your insightful answers. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited to see the finished project and just kind of yeah hear other stories and whatnot and I do like if there's any way I can be helpful in terms of like recommending other um other people to interview um be happy to help with that yeah we'll definitely let you know um yeah I think I think we're gonna end things here but thank you so much again um it was such a pleasure meeting you and talking with you and your dogs are very cute <laughs> in the background <laughs> <laughs> I love now but yeah. yeah. Cool. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your your interest. All right. Thank yeah, you. we'll be in touch. Um, and I guess like we kept you for almost two hours, so we don't want to hold you Zoom hostage. But um, <laughs> thank you. And I guess I'll go ahead and end the meeting. Feel free to email us with any questions or follow up thoughts that you have, um, and we'll definitely stay connected and keep you posted on this project coming together. Cool. Sounds good. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.